0: those questions are. We are not going to answer any of them in this series. We're going to answer other questions like, you know, can I follow God and still have doubts? I mean, can my friend follow God and still have doubts, right? Or, or what does God have to say about uh, addiction? My friend's addiction, that is. And so asking for a friend, and today we're going to um, answer, I think, maybe the most important one of all in this series, and that is this question of when does God give up on you? How far is too far? What, what, what is it? Maybe, are there unforgivable sins? Is there something that, that God says, that's it, that's, that's too much? And uh, we're going to look in Luke chapter 15 about this because this is actually a question that Jesus answered multiple times, and he tells a story here that I think answers it beautifully. And if you um, don't have a Bible, um, you, you can couple things. You can get the Bible on, on your phone now you version like I, I'm so old I'm like you know you can get your phone on your Bible on your phone now you know modern age um, but it's free it's been downloaded over a billion times you version and um, but if you don't have your own copy of Scripture you can stop at the Welcome Center if you're here this morning um, those online you'll have to come in but um, and we'll we'll give you a free Bible and um, follow along with us as I have it on the screen it says now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So I just want to explain who these people are. First of all, tax collectors and sinners. These are not IRS agents, okay? The, the tax collectors back then were people that were cooperating with an occupying government. So it would be like if Jesus was in Ukraine right now, he would be eating with Putin sympathizers and Russian uh, pro-Russian uh, individuals. Okay, so these are not misunderstood social misfits. These are people that for, for money have sold out their own people. All right, they're, they're not nice. And then the sinners, and, and I, I, I want to get this, think of the worst possible person that you know, and don't say their name out loud. First service, we had someone say a name out loud. We, we, know, we know why you do that, all right? But just think, if, if there's someone you're like, that person is terrible. Like, I would never want, I don't even want to be in the same room with that guy. And and that's the kind of people Jesus is eating with. And you just look over, and there's Jesus, and he's laughing, and he's telling stories, and he's eating and drinking and all of this with these. And so these people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're like, What? Because this isn't teachers of the law, this isn't law professors. Um, When the Bible in the New Testament mentions teachers of the law, it's talking about Bible experts who are really familiar with Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those are the the, the law books of the Bible. The Bible's set up like a library, and so the first couple books are, are the legal books, then there's historical books, then there's poetry section, and on and on. And so these are Bible experts, and they're looking at Jesus, and they're like, do you, does he know who that guy is and what he did the other day? And uh, this, this is a problem for them. And so they muttered under their breath, but they didn't really say anything out loud. And so, so Jesus, though, answers what they're thinking. And uh, he, he tells three stories. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep then the lost coin, and now the lost sons. Now, in my Bible, the headings are not inspired by God. And so in my Bible, the headings are written by Zondervan. And it says the parable of the lost son, singular. And so I just took a pen and I put an S on it. Because this is not a parable about a lost son. This is about two lost sons. And and here's how it starts. Jesus continues, there's a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. This, of course, would not be cool today to say this. Basically, to go to your dad and say, You know what? I wish you were dead. um, But since you're not, can you just give me my inheritance now? Because that's really all I care about. But back in this day, you got to understand, this is Jesus in the Middle East, a Middle Eastern ancient culture where the father and older people were really elevated and revered Uh, for someone to say this to their dad that dad would have been within his rights and nobody would have batted an eye if he would have said to his servants servants get that son of mine tie him down we're going to whip him because you don't say that in fact the authorities probably would have helped if they were there they wouldn't have been like why are you beating your son they'd be like oh he did that and he's an adult yeah go ahead um, so this is just, this is so, like, mean and countercultural and rude. And all of these Bible experts listening, they're like, oh, he's going to get it. And, and so the big surprise is the father does it. And he divides his property. Now, these, these Bible experts would know that the older son always gets a double share of the younger, what, what the other sons would get. So if you only have two sons, the older son gets two-thirds, the younger son gets one-third. But even one-third of his property, if you're a banker and you have to give one-third of your inheritance, you just go to the bank and you get a bag of one-third of all the gold you have or whatever, you hand it to the guy, your son. But if you're a farmer, how do you liquidate one-third of everything you own? What do you have to do? You got to sell land. And, and many times, land, some of you in this county have similar situations where there's been land in your family for over a hundred years, 200 years. And, and to sell that is like selling your, the heirloom Right? Yeah, I had hopes and dreams. I have I have memories about this land. I'd always wanted this land to be my sons and my grandkids and my great grandkids. And it was my great-great-grandfather and who who got it. And there's all this meaning wrapped up in it. In fact, the word property here in the original Greek language this was written in is bios. That's the word. It's where we get the word biology. It means what is life sustaining. And so this son is asking his father, rip your life apart for me. And strangely enough, he does it. The younger son makes it clear. He wants the father's stuff. He doesn't want the father. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for Las Vegas, and there squandered his wealth and wild living, did what any young man would want to do in a place like Vegas, whatever he wanted, and after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So I've seen this happen in people's lives sometimes where they do bad things and there are bad consequences. This is why God prohibits sin. It's not because he wants to ruin your life. It's because he doesn't want you to ruin your life. And so people, you do bad things and they get the consequences and their life is miserable and bad. And then on top of that, there are things outside of their control. It's like, like a famine where God puts bad things in. Like he's like he's kicking them while they're down. You're like, God, why would you? I mean, he's already broke. He has nothing. And now there's a famine. God, why would you do that? But if you know this whole story, then you know is this famine that almost kills him and that leads to great pain and near starvation for this young man, is this famine good or bad? It works out to be a very good thing in his life. Sometimes we're not so good at figuring out what's good for us and what's bad for us. So he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Again, ancient Middle East, Jesus is Jewish. He's telling this story to Jews. Do Jews eat pigs? No, why not? The Bible says they're unclean. They were culturally, socially, emotionally unclean. I was trying to think of an animal that would be culturally, socially, emotionally unclean for us. It would be like rats. Imagine if there were some, you know, they eat rats in certain countries. And you're in this far off country and you've partied and there's no one who'll give you a job except the guy who's raising rats. And you've got to go eat, feed the rats. And, and it's worse than that. Not only is he feeding the lowest, he's in the lowest of the low feeding pigs, but he longs to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So he wishes he were a pig. That's how bad he is. Because he's so hungry, and he, I bet he tried eating those pods. We don't know what they were, but whatever they were, they, they had no sustenance. They maybe made his belly ache, and, and he is just so bad off. And it says, when he came to his senses. This is a rare gift. There are a lot of people in our country and all over the world who never come to their senses. And they think, they think they know, but they don't know what they don't know. And, and somehow God works in this man's life in the story. And he comes to his senses and he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I, I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. And, and, He's even, it's interesting, he says, hired servant, not a slave. Back in this day and age, the slaves usually lived in the father's house. The servants, they, they, they lived in their own home and they only, you know, came and worked and then they were sent away. And so he's just saying, man, even if there's distance between us, at least give me a job. You know, home is not a geographic location. It's a place where you feel accepted. And, and there's, there's two reasons why I think this younger son was willing to go home. Number one, because he was really desperate and he might have died if he didn't go home. <laughs> and number two, and this speech kind of gives us that insight, he's thinking, maybe if my dad will just give me a, pl- a, a, a chance I can prove myself. And, and maybe I can show him that I'm not a total screw-up. You know, and so, so he, he's, he's going to his father. And this is, why did he not go to his father earlier when he was in need? Well, because home is where you are accepted and home is also where you can be rejected. I would rather be rejected by a hundred pig farmers. Yeah than by my father, right? I mean, random strangers rejecting me and telling me, you know, that I'm awful or no, and I'm no good, whatever. But my dad? And, and I'm sure this entire trip back, he was just running through his little speech and thinking, what if my dad says this? Then maybe I could say this. There's got to be some way. I got I to gotta have a second chance because I think this goes beyond survival. I mean, he wants... He wants to prove himself. And, and you know, all these, guys, all these Bible experts listening to this story, up until this point, they're tracking with Jesus. They're like, yep, and we know how this ends. And he sends them out into the utter darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I've heard those endings in Jesus' stories. And that's what's going to happen to this son. But this is where they're surprised because that's not how the story goes. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. So a long way off, this father knew his son. He knew how he walked. He knew his gait. and, And he saw and he's like, that's my son. It's the right height. It's the way he walks. He's coming home and he ran. Middle Eastern fathers in ancient times did not run. They did the cool superhero slow walk, you know. You know the superheroes. They, these superheroes, you know, they, they do this landing that's, you know, this funny landing, and then they always do the slow walk while everything blows up behind them or whatever. I mean, that, that, was, the, that was the cool, that was the respectful thing, to run. Have you ever some of you your dads aren't that old so it's it wouldn't be that bad to see josh running but but there gets to be a certain age where dads just don't run real well anymore you know and uh he didn't care he had overwhelming compassion for his son, and he ran to him, and the son said, he starts into his speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the dad cuts him off before he can finish his speech. He didn't even get to the hired servant part. He says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I don't know if this is true or not, but I do know back then they would have a special ring for the father and the sons. It was a signet ring. And to sign a document, you didn't sign with your signature, you would have wax and you would use that signet ring to make your signature on something. And only an heir would have a ring. And I don't know if that's what's going, but, but it, he is giving us the impression that this son is fully restored to his father. He doesn't have to prove himself. He doesn't have to work his way back in. He is saying, you are my son. Now, put sandals on his feet. He was so poor, he didn't even have shoes. In fact, if he had left with his signet ring, he had sold it along the way to survive. And yet the father returns that to him. Bring the fat and calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So the question is, how far is too far? And Jesus is saying to the tax collectors and the sinners that he's at this dinner with, he's saying, nothing is too far. If you are still breathing, then you can still return to our heavenly father and he will run to you but you know it's a wonderful ending to the story and I, and I am here to say if you are a younger son person that God will forgive anything and and he wants to restore you and he he doesn't just want to save you from your sin he wants to give you a new life with him a different life his father doesn't send him back to vegas with more money no he says come live with me and things are going to be different now because i know you you're ready to be you're ready for different but that's not how the story ends if it ended like that it would be a fairy tale ending but the bible is not about fairy tales it's about real life real life isn't a fairy tale because i believe the older brother is the main reason jesus is telling this story because he told the, the sheep, lost sheep story for the tax collectors and sinners he was with. He told the lost coin story for the tax collectors and sinners he's with. He told the first half of the lost son story for the tax collectors and sinners he's with. But now, here's the point of that story, and he's telling it for the older brother types, the Pharisees and the Bible experts, the, the, the conservatives of his day. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. What was he doing in the field, the older son? He was working, unlike some brother of his. In fact, a typical work week back then, and if you talk to a farmer today, it's not very much different. Six days a week, 12 hours a day, 72 hours a week, 52 weeks a year. Like that's what he'd been doing. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what what was going on. Oh, your brother has come home and your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. Again, we see the father moving toward his son right? The younger son is coming back. The father moves to his son, runs to him. The older son doesn't want to have anything to do with with this, and the father moves to his son. God is moving towards you today, whether you're a younger son who've wasted your life living for yourself and you have tons of regrets, or whether you're an older son and you've always done the right thing. Pleads with him, but he answered his father, look, All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, and yet you gave me not even one young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Let me ask you, though, a father who would give one-third of his entire estate to his son because he asked, do you think he would have given a young goat to this older son? But the older son never asked because he was too busy showing everybody I'm not like my brother. I'm not a loser like him. I'm a good guy. You know, a lot of people would say there's the good son and the bad son. Jesus never calls them that. They're both lost. Because both of them, the the, the younger son, wanted to control his life by going off and living how he wanted. The older son wanted to control his life by staying and keeping the rules. The, The younger son... Didn't care about the father, just wanted the father's stuff. The older son, now we see, is the same way. He's saying to the father, if you're the kind of father who's going to forgive and love him, I don't have anything to do with you. And and so many people in our lives, we're older sons, and, and we make a deal with God. Here's the deal, God. I do what you want, and then what? You do what I want. And when God doesn't come through on the deal I made with him, I'm done with God. You know, the, these Pharisees and Bible experts that were listening to Jesus, they, they worshiped a God that Jesus is saying, the God you worship isn't real. Let me tell you about the real God. We live in a country where people, you know, say, oh, yeah, whatever God you believe in, it's all the same God, Right? I mean, you believe in a God that's like this, and I believe in a God that's like that, but you know, there's only one God, and it's all the same God. Nothing could be further than the truth. Jesus is confronting these Bible experts and saying, you don't know God, you don't worship the real God. The real God is like this Father. He forgives. And if you can't relate to the older brother, just imagine if I had up here with me, there's actually a friend of mine who I grew up with, lost contact with him, sexually abused several boys, awful. What if I had him up here with me right now, and I said, praise the Lord, this man has asked Jesus to forgive him, and he has, he has turned from his sin, and he knows where, where, where he needs to, the, the temptations he needs to run from. He's not around kids ever. He's very accountable about that. Praise the Lord. He's going to heaven. Would you be able to celebrate that God forgave him or would you be here saying, if God's going to forgive him, if he's going to be in the Father's house, I don't want to be in the Father's house with the likes of him. When this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him? The older brother also cares about the father's things, but not really about the father. And and he, he ends with this, My son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He's lost and is found. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, it says this, Jesus says, if you won't forgive, your Heavenly Father won't forgive you either. That's how important it is. And so, I I don't know who you are this morning, whether you are a younger son who's gone off on his, or whether you're an older brother who's done everything right. You know, it's interesting, there's a man here this morning, I asked just before the service if I could share his story anonymously, and he Begrudgingly said yes, but he's a friend with Luke Barnett growing up. I don't know any of you know Luke. Um, he's out in Wyoming now going to Bible college. And he grew up with Luke and he saw Luke after they graduated from high school. He looked at Luke's life and said, You know what? Luke loves God, Luke trusts in God, he's following God. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> and he went and lived however he wanted. And he said, I, I was going to have fun with my life. I was going to be happy and do that. And so, he, so that's how he lived. Until one day he was driving and all of a sudden it felt like a heart attack. But he's in his 20s. You know, this can't be a heart attack. It must be a, must be a panic attack. You know, I've heard about those things. So he goes to the hospital and he said, like, I think I'm having a panic attack. And they did some tests and they did more tests. And they said, you got lesions or spots or something on your lungs growth or something is there, and, and that's where, why you felt that pressure. And you, you have cancer. You have lung cancer. You need to get your house in order. You don't have long. And he said, it just, I mean, you're in your 20s. What do you do? And he said he realized, if I only have months or a couple years to live, I'm going to live for God. And he started changing his life, and he started living differently. And, and then the doctors came back, and they said, oops, you have Lyme disease, and you might have this other strange disease that's pretty rare that makes it look like you have lung cancer, but you don't have lung cancer. Here, take some medicine. And he started feeling better and back to his normal self. He said, but here's the thing that that he realized in that. He said, all that time I was living for myself, thinking Luke was having a miserable, boring life. He's like, now that I started living like Luke and living for Jesus, he realized, I'm happier now than I was before. Go figure. God actually is smarter than me. And he knows and he can be trusted And so whether you're that, the younger son, or whether you're the older son, I had a man who told me he was the older son after the first service. And, you know, older sons, we can be judgmental. And we can think that, man, I can prove myself to God. We can't. We need his forgiveness just as much as the other. You know, most people think God wants good people, But the Bible says he wants new people, different people. And Sarah's going to share her story. She goes to our campus over in Halstead, and she's going to share her story this morning. And as she tells it, try to figure out, is she a younger son or is she an older son? Younger brother or an older brother? And which one are you? Let's listen.
1: My home life was amazing. We grew up in a Catholic family and so I can't remember not knowing Jesus' name, not having him as a friend to pray to and talk to. In college I started to have experiences and classes where I was having a lot more questions than answers. and went and did whatever I wanted to do. I was in sports, I got the best classes, had the great grades, was studying, had good social groups, um, great friends, and I was replacing one thing for another. If I went to the Cancer Club and got that fundraiser done and I did so good in it, well, it didn't matter that I partied. And if I, um, you know, was attending church on Sunday, well that would just replace my sins that's that's good enough because look how good I am over here that covers this and I think at the time I didn't intentionally make it that way or I at least definitely wasn't spending the time thinking through it Um, and when I reflect back that's exactly what I was doing not even knowing or not you know, in the forefront of my decision making, deciding, oh, this is good enough, so that's fine. You know, I, I didn't walk through it like that, but when I reflect on it, that's all that it was. You know, this is, I'm doing this so good, we don't have to talk about that. After college, um, I moved up in this area to become close with my um, now husband, and when we got engaged, I. I was like, we need to, <laughs> we need to get some marriage counseling. We need to be connected to a church, um, and I'm telling you, the loving people of Bridgewater really were the ones who poured into us and encouraged us just in the most recent season, um, I have to give some credit to the pandemic. I was put on an improvement plan at school. I'm a teacher and I pour my heart into it and I care about it a lot. And through the pandemic, I didn't realize that I was on survivalism mode. And um, so the district called me out on some things that I needed to improve on. And that shattered my reality because just growing up and always getting straight A's and always doing the right thing, always checking the boxes. You're supposed to do this, done. You're supposed to do this, done. And I, I get a lot of pride from that. I enjoy checking boxes, being in my job, having a passion for it, it's going great. And then the pandemic saying, you could be doing better was like, what? I wouldn't hear it in the beginning. Um, and thankfully was in small group, brought this to people who love me, people who, you know, were able to speak truth in this situation. Um, and just they just encouraged me to just keep bringing it to God, keep praying, keep talking to him about it. And I feel like every time I did, he was uprooting something in my heart that was in the way of me seeing his truth and experiencing his truth. It was in the way of me accepting the grace, which is I've made mistake or I did not live up to the excellence that we're called to. And so it was this year, April 22nd, and Matt had led anyone who was needing to say I need to be forgiven of my sins and that I want to give my whole life to you, Jesus. Um, And I just remember sitting there like, how do I, how do, why do I feel this pull? Like I've never said this prayer like I have just now. Um, It wasn't about what what I learned and the knowledge and the logic, it was me finally giving my heart to God. It was me changing, well, I love Jesus because he's so good and he's, no, I love Jesus. He has been there for me. He's been faithful for me all through. If you would come to the Father with that leap of faith, he will meet you there and he will surprise you with just abundant grace and abundant forgiveness and abu- abundant joy and life and freedom. And I'm just so thankful that I get to walk in that. My name is Sarah Empet and I'm here to make more and better disciples of Jesus.
0: Older brother people need exactly what younger brother people need, God's forgiveness, and uh, to surrender their lives to him. And um, will you return to the Father? We're going to close, and I'm going to give an invitation in a little bit to come forward. If, if you need to talk to someone, and uh, especially if you need to talk to someone about this decision, to, to ask Jesus to be your forgiver and also your leader. Um, but, but you know what? There are, this morning, several people in the first service came forward for other reasons as well you know, one man, a a good friend on Wednesday overdosed, you know, and another another is going through difficult things with a family member. And so if you just need someone to pray with you, please feel free to come forward. Um, In a little bit, the band's going to play a song. And as they play, there's going to be people with yellow sheets like this standing to the left here or to the right and just go up and just talk to any one of us, and we'll pray with you about whatever it is. But as we close, I just want to close in a prayer of of salvation, and and here's, here's what it's about. Number one, we all need forgiveness. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, His undeserved generosity, freely makes us right in His sight, and He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. It's not about what you do. It's what Jesus has done for you. That's the forgiveness part. And then there's the surrender part. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, are you God's slave here today? Does that sound extreme? There's a guy in the first service. He said, people think I'm crazy now. Like, that's You're on the right track. There is an extremeness to, to surrendering to God that I think we, we shouldn't shy away from. Slaves of God, the benefit you reach, reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Return to the Father today, and whether you're an older brother or a younger brother, He wants to receive you, and to forgive you, and to lead you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And God, I admit that I'm a sinner and I have done things wrong that I can't make up. Now, I can't fix it. I can't go back. And and so, God, I just ask that you would make Jesus pay for my sins 2,000 years ago on the cross that, that, that he would take my hell and God, out of gratitude for your forgiveness, Lord, I want to, I want to be a man who forgives. And I, I, I give you my life. I want to be a slave of yours. I want to serve you and follow you. I want to make you my Lord, my leader, my master from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to ask you all to stand right now. There's going to be some people up front here, and just listen as the band plays. This is a song of invitation, inviting you to come, come to the Father. If you, you think maybe you should talk to someone, you definitely need to talk to someone. If you're online and you're listening and watching, there's, there's a, a little button you can click in the chat to talk to someone else about this and say, I want to commit my life to Christ. or I want to pray with someone and do that before we leave. And then after we leave, we're gonna have, we have games here, we have food. Here's why we do that because church is not a great speech and, and good music every Sunday. It's not good mu- not great music and a good speech either, but church is a bunch of people gathered together, helping each other follow God. And so I want to encourage you, before you leave, I know I'm going to twist your arm, eat some pork barbecue, okay? If you're Jewish and can't eat the pork, eat the dessert, all right? And just stay and talk to people. Talk to someone you don't know. Get to know somebody. While the kids are playing, or maybe you're, while you're throwing an axe against the target, get get talking with someone, because we need each other to follow God effectively. And as this band, just come forward, because again, we want to be here for you and help you, whatever's going on in your life. Feel free to come forward as they sing.